This is episode 114 of the Equestrian Author Spotlight Podcast. I'm Carly Cade, and today I'm speaking with Robin Hutton. Robin has spent her adult life working in major event productions and the motion picture business. She was the writing and producing partner of Tom Billy Jack Lachlan for over 30 years until his death in 2013. Currently, she is president of Angels Without Wings Incorporated, a 501c3 nonprofit corporation that spearheaded the development and dedication of six national monuments to Sergeant Reckless, the famous Korean war horse. Her first book, Sergeant Reckless, America's War Horse, was a New York Times bestseller, as well as the 2015 Equine Book of the Year from American Horse Publications and a 2016 gold medal winner from Military Writers Society of America. Her latest book, War Animals, The Unsung Heroes of World War II, was a 2019 gold medal winner from Military Writers Society of America. The heroes in this book inspired a new project, the Animals in War and Peace Medal of Bravery and Distinguished Service Medals. The inaugural ceremony for this medal was held on November 14th, 2019 in Washington, D.C. on Capitol Hill. This ceremony also launched the Animals in War and Peace Museum, a traveling museum to commemorate those war animals who fought side by side with our military war heroes. Saddle up for a conversation about animals in service, gratitude, and staying on the path toward our dreams. Now, let's get into the interview. Welcome to the Equestrian Author Spotlight Podcast, a podcast featuring interviews with equestrian authors who love all things horses and writing about them. In each episode, you'll hear inspirational stories from horse book authors, including writing advice and marketing tips to help you write your very own horse book. If you're an author, aspire to be an author, or simply love horse books, then you are in the right place. I'm your host, Carly Cade, and creative writing makes my spurs jingle. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Equestrian Author Spotlight Podcast. I'm Carly Cade, and today it is my honor to have my friend and fellow author, Robin Hutton, on the show. Welcome to the show, Robin. Oh, Carly, thank you so much. I am so excited to be here. This is just a true delight for me today. <laughs> it is the best. I, Robin and I have stories, stories, stories from when we first met each other. She is the author of Sergeant Reckless, America's War Horse, which is a fantastic read. Robin has been dedicated to this, this amazing animal for a very long time. We're going to get into the nitty gritty about how this book was written and some of her <laughs> other projects and uh, go from there. So as everyone knows who listens to the podcast, and if you're new, welcome. How I always like to open the conversation is asking the authors joining me, how have horses touched your life? Well, you know, I have been very blessed because I have had horses. I've never owned a horse. Let me just start off by that. But horses are kind of my spirit animal. And I just, since I was a little kid, I just have loved horses. Mind you, I never had a briar horse until Sergeant Reckless's briar horse came out. But I have just always loved horses, been around them. Uh, my cousin, we'd go visit her in the summer times and, you know, we'd go bareback riding and, you know, through the farm and uh, it was just a delight. So I have just 
just loved the being connected to them. And, and I tell you, my favorite show now on TV is Heartland. I've been binge watching and I'm trying to get to season 16 right now and it's very <laughs> difficult. But, uh, you know, they just, even watching that, you just, you feel good around them. My soul feels settled around them. I, I absolutely love it. And Sergeant Reckless has just been, this little pony has changed my life and uh, that w- ways we'll talk about in a minute. But, you know, I am very blessed to have had that experience growing up and to be around horses now. Mm. So, yeah. And I would argue that you sort of do own a piece of this little pony that we're going to start talking about here because you have been so involved in elevating her story and showcasing her and documenting her her beautiful contribution to yeah. our country. So this is a perfect segue. Talk to us about Sergeant Reckless. So Sergeant Reckless, uh, this little horse, honest to gosh, uh, you know, as you read, Carly, she is she is America's greatest war horse. There'll never be another horse like Reckless. And the amazing thing about her story, it, it was so funny. I discovered her story on a fluke. I mean, you you never know where inspiration is going to find you. And that's one of the great things about being an author or somebody creative. You just never know. So I actually had writer's block. And I was working on a novel about horse racing, about a young, it was a young adult novel. I'm still one day going to write this novel, but it's a a young adult novel about this girl, this young 16 year old girl who she and her mom rescued this horse. Her dad was a jockey and she was going to be a jockey. And uh, anyway, she ends up winning the triple crown on this horse that they rescued. You know, it's a really kind of a cool story, but I had writer's block because as I said, I never owned a horse. So I don't, didn't know what do you call the tack? You know, how do you muck out a stall? You know, what exactly is laminitis? What is call? I I needed to, you know, see all of, uh, learn all about that stuff. Right. And I love doing research. I, that is my favorite part of doing um, my projects is because I'm learning, you know, with this, and I'm hoping that my knowledge can come out then and I can be able to get others involved as well. So I had writer's block and I, had this dream about this horse being locked in my closet, you know, and I was associating to the dream and all of this. And the horse, when I was writing to this horse and telling him, you know, saying, you know, I love horses and blah, 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 but I'm having writer's block. The inkling in my head said, go to your bookcase and pull off any book on horses that you have, and it's going to give you inspiration. So I had this whole bookcase on you know, the horse racing, uh, you know, Churchill Downs and horses and Bach flower remedies, you know, and tea touch, Tellington tea touch. I had all of these books, Monty Roberts on my bookshelf. And I went and I pulled off chicken soup for the horse lover's soul because I thought it's a compilation of short stories from people that uh, had horses. And so I thought I can get firsthand information on this. I read it and halfway through, there's a little story in there called Sergeant Reckless, the Mighty Marine. And it was the story of uh, Reckless giving birth to her first colt, Fearless, at Mm -hmm. Camp Pendleton. And it was a great story. I laughed, I cried. And in there were three three paragraphs or so of heroics on her. It It was just this amazing thing of what she did uh, over in Korea. And I'm like, who's this horse? And why have I never heard about her? Because I had Smokey the Cow horse books. I had Black Beauty. I had, you know, all of these horse stories that Ch- Misty of Chickatig. It's been on my bucket list to go to Chickatig to see the wild <laughs> horses, you know. Me too. Um, 
Yeah. So we'll have to do that. Oh, yes. <laughs> Road trip, girls trip. trip. Oh my God. That would, I am in, that would be so much fun. So <laughs> anyway, so I Googled her name and only four things came up from the internet. She had wow. vanished from the pages of history. And mind you, this horse was as famous as Lassie and Ren Tin Tin when she died. She was, her story when she died was on the front page of virtually every national paper across the country that this war hero died. And yet she was nowhere to be found on the internet. She didn't even have a Wikipedia page. You know, of course, Breyer wasn't even in the picture at that time. And this was in 2006. And I thought, man, this is a travesty. So I made it my mission that she was never going to be forgotten again. And the first year I kind of just played with it. I dabbled with it because I wasn't, you know, doing other things, but she would not let me go. Mm -hmm. And so I finally started reaching out in out of the four links that came up on the internet. One was this wonderful story from 1992 that was in the Marine Corps magazine. And I reached out to the author of that and she put me in touch with a couple of people. And then I started going on to military blogs, Korean War military blogs to say, who, does anybody know anything about her and all of this? And so it took me seven years to research and write the book because I had to track down the men that served with her to get their stories and to to know how much this horse meant to them and to see the expression on their faces when we unveiled the monument, you know, to her the first time, especially. Uh, I, I'm getting the chills as I talk about it. I have it's, chills too. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it, it's phenomenal, phenomenal what she did. So uh, it's, it's just an amazing process. Now, her story, you know, in my book, I talk about it. She was bred to be a racehorse. And she was owned by this Korean man, young Korean man who owned her dam. And he was a jockey and he used to race on his, uh, on Reckless's mother. He uh, just loved this horse, took such great care of her. And so when the Marines went to purchase her, she was in such great shape than the other horses in uh, the, the stables there that uh, she was the one that uh, the Marines went to and uh, purchased. Now, Kim Huck Moon was his name. And uh, the only reason, the only reason he sold his beloved pony to the Marines for $250 was to buy an artificial leg for his sister who lost her leg in a landmine accident. So when you see out of love for his sister, he gave up the only joyful thing and the love that he had in his life. That sacrifice was truly, truly something. But because of the character in him, I think the character of Reckless was also revealed as she worked with her, her Marines. And it's, it's just a, a great story in there when Eric Patterson, he's, he was the commanding officer of the uh, Recoilish Rifle Platoon. And, you know, this gun is huge. Uh, you can see that these are the rounds of ammunition on her back, you know, or actually on here, you can see on the thing, each one of these rounds weighed 24 pounds. And so Ooh. for the men to carry these rounds, they would carry three, you know, two to three at a time. If it was a burly guy, he could maybe carry a little bit more, but that's a lot of pack to have on your back, you know? And so the gun, it took three men to carry the gun up the hills. And so for them to struggle uh, through all of that, Pedersen saw what it was doing to his men and he was a horseman and he went and got permission to go to the track and see if he could find a pack animal to help carry the ammunition up to the guns for his, his men. 
And so he got permission and he goes to the soul track and he finds her. And he said she had the eyes of an eagle, you know, when he, you know, when he saw her and she was so well cared for that he paid $250 of his own money for his men to, to have this. So it's uh, her, it's just a, a, an incredible way of how she came to be a Marine when she, you know, was trained, you know, to be a racehorse and, but she never raced because the war broke out in uh, 1915. That would have been her maiden year. She was born in uh, 48. Um, so it's, uh, but it's, it's amazing how she, how she came to be with, uh, with the Marines. Yeah. And thank you for sharing all that. And I think this, this horse had incredible hearts, but so did all the people that surrounded her. Absolutely. No question about it. It was her heart when she came into camp, you know, a lot of them were excited about this, you know, but some of them were saying, oh, great. Another thing we're going to get, you know, have to take care of, you know, they're trying to make sure they take care of themselves out on the battlefield, but now they got a horse they got to worry about. And, but most people really love the fact that she was there, you know, and they trained her to get down from incoming fire, to run to her bunker when there was fire, to step over communication lines. She got so good with her handler, Joe Latham. She had such a bond and connection with him that he could be across the way. And the, the sounds of battle were just so loud, you couldn't hear people speak, but he could give her hand signals and she knew what he wanted of her. So that kind of connection, that bond was something else. And I asked uh, Bob Miller, who was a horse behaviorist, um, uh, why Reckless was able to do what she did. Mm-hmm. Because as you know, horses run from this kind of chaos. They're like, yeah, I'm out of here. Mules, on the other hand, mm-hmm. they'll stay steady to the course. But I said, how could she do what she did? Why did she do what she did? And he said, the Marines became her herd and she would follow them anywhere. And again, I got the chills with that. I know, I know. <laughs> like, oh my gosh. But you saw the relation. Now you have to take into account too, and this just kind of hit me recently. When she came to camp, she didn't know English. You know, mm-hmm. she was Korean, you know? So everything she knew, everything she came into was foreign to her. So not only did she have to build a bond with these men, she had to figure out what the heck they were saying to her as <laughs> yeah. well. You know, and so, but, you know, they took such great care of her and they absolutely loved her and they let her sleep in their tents at night and they, they uh, let her eat in the mess tent and she loved bacon and eggs and she'd chase it down with a cup of coffee. And then she, she would sometimes have more than her share of beers and a couple of times did stagger around like, you know, a good Marine, she had her beers and would stagger around camp, but, you know, they just loved her and took just wonderful, wonderful care of her. Yeah. And that's another portion of the book that's so enjoyable is just the relationship with her herd of humans and then her, her quirks. She was, she was funny. I think, I mean, she was smart. She was funny. She was a, she was a Marine. I mean, she had such a personality, Carly. And that was what really was so cool about this too, because when you really get to feel her personality, you can see why the men loved her so much. She, she was just a little, 
flirt in a lot of ways you know I mean the one time when she goes in and they're playing poker and you know she she's it was a cold night and you know the guys were in the tent so she pushes her way into the tent and they're caught up in their game and she's kind of mad that they're not paying attention to her so she kind of nuzzles over Joe Latham's shoulder and it's like you know hey what do you want me to bid here reckless you know but you know it is it's like she's watching everything and you know he kind of fluffs her off you know so he can get concentrated on the game you know and all of this and he when they he wasn't paying attention to her and she just bit right down and and chomped down on a got about thirty dollars worth of poker chips in her mouth and you know that was just a hilarious kind of thing but she just made herself known she had full reign of the camp you know she would um they would tie her up and she'd get loose and so they gave her full reign of the camp so she could walk into the mess tent when she wanted she could walk into their tents when she wanted it was just amazing the connection that she had with them and I think the wonderful thing about this story and I love it that she was a mayor mm. because she was the only female in camp and this <laughs> is a true love story it's not a buddy it is a buddy story but it is really a love story with this horse and and her men and, um, you know, she just had that special, special bond with uh, with so many of them. It was uh, it's just a delight to, to read and see. And there are pictures that they sent to me. So many of the personal Polaroids that uh, were sent to me. I mean, every time I'd get an envelope, I'd, you know, tear it open so quickly. And it's I, I'm just very blessed. <laughs> you know, what I love about this conversation is that you paid attention when the universe provided you with a, a moment where you were like, there's only four things on the internet about this incredible animal. And then you just followed the trail, you know, and, and, and look at all the amazing, beautiful things that have happened. You told her story, you got really involved, you're, you were continuously involved in elevating her story. So it, it, you know, I feel like life provides those little sparks, but if you don't Question. pay attention then it's like it's missed. But I love how you said it kept calling you forward and calling you forward. And now the excitement of opening the envelopes of right. the men who surrounded her. I mean, yeah. what an incredible journey. It it really is. It's just amazing. Yeah. And one thing that's really interesting is how was it starting to get involved in in writing about the military? Did you was did you have a knowledge of that going into it? Or did you have was that a new space for you to that, walk into? That was also a new space for me to walk into. Now my dad was a World War II veteran, but I was never really involved in anything with the military uh, at all. But now and it's and it's really it's really amazing when you think about it that, you know, her story, nobody knew her story, even Marine Corps, uh, the Marine Corps people, the, the Marines at Camp Pendleton, the bases, nobody, nobody remembered her story. Nobody knew her story. So, you know, I made it my mission to bring her back. And one of my greatest achievements with this story, besides being on the New York Times bestseller list, which was just awesome, <laughs> is the fact that my book made the Commandant of the Marine Corps professional reading list. Hmm. And that's a, a selection for Marines, that selection of books that they must read in order to advance to their next uh, promotion. And so that's one of the stories that the Commandant of the Marine Corps loved this story so much and knows the history and knows what part she played for the Marine Corps that he felt compelled to add that to his list. And so 
my life has changed because of the relationships I have developed with the military. I am I am so grateful for for all of that. And what I love the most about Sergeant Reckless's story is that it doesn't have a like a sad ending. Like she yeah. made it she made it through the battles. She came back to the US and she was celebrated and she had offspring and she stood up in parades and she was right center stage. Do you want to talk a little bit about like the, yeah. the happiness? You know, yes. because a lot of these stories, you know, you're going to read it and you're like, oh no, does she die? But she does it. I mean, she right. has an amazing, amazing life. Yeah. And it's really funny, Carly, that you should mention that because some people have came, you know, before they read the book, because they knew this horse was in war and mm-hmm. all of this. And it's like, well, does she die? And I'm like, well, this did take place in the fifties. So yes, eventually (laughs) she's dead now, but no, in the wartime, she did not. But you know, when you think about it, so let me just tell some of what she did so people can get a, a, an understanding Mm -hmm. of Mm heroics and then we can, you know, move on from that. But you know, they had to train her to get used to these carrying these rounds of ammunition. And um, her first time that she was in a battle, you know, they didn't know how she was going to react. You know, that she they she'd been around the gun, but she had not seen it go off. So, because they couldn't waste the rounds of ammunition, so they take her out and they got her latched down with eight, uh, four rounds. And um, the first time, this gun is called a reckless rifle. Uh, it's a recoilless rifle, but they call it a reckless rifle because you had to be a little reckless to be associated with it mm-hmm. because the back blast of the gun shows the enemy where you're firing from. So you mm-hmm. can only fire the gun about three or four times and you have to pick it up and move it to another place on the hill before incoming comes in. So it was a very dangerous weapon in that regard. And you had to have a little bit of a reckless attitude to be associated with it, they say. Mm-hmm. So that's why they named her after the gun. They named her reckless after the gun. So her first time she hears this gun go off, she's loaded down with over 100 pounds on her back. She goes straight up in the air on all fours. And thankfully, you know, uh, her handler, Manor Coleman, got a hold of her and just told her what a good pony she was and not to worry, you know, I got you here, you know, and all of this. It goes off again. And again, she goes straight up in the air and she's starting to get really ag- agitated and fidgety. And so he, again, calms her down. Uh, the next time it goes off, she just goes up, you know, she just, you know, jerks back and um, they pick up the gun and run over. By the time they had finished this, this um, uh, firing mission, she was so comfortable with the men. After it was done, they found her in a hole, look at smelling in a hole, looking at a helmet liner that she had found. She had gotten so, uh, felt so safe with them that, you know, she knew that they were going to, to take care of her. She had a couple of battles in the winter of 53, but in March of 53, during her most heroic battle, the Battle of Outpost Vegas, uh, uh, the, the Battle of the Nevada Cities, it was called the Nevada Cities because it was a gamble if the Marines could hold these outposts, uh, because there's only 45 men or so on an outpost at a time, and each outpost helped defend the others. And 3,500 uh, Chinese and communist North Koreans descended on all of these outposts at once and other outposts along the line. So the whole line of resistance was attacked at the same time by all of, by the enemy. And so the men couldn't defend, they couldn't even defend their own outposts, let alone help each other. So Reckless was called into action for this battle. And uh, she started the day on one day alone. 
she made 51 trips up to the gun sites, most of the time by herself. Now they would show her the way. They had to show her the way the first couple of times so she, she knew where to go. But after that, they would load her up, give her a slap and up the hill she went. There was so much incoming and outgoing fire in this particular battle. 500 rounds a minute were coming in not, you know, let alone going out. They would collide midair and explode and rain down. And Harold Wadley in my book gives a beautiful description of seeing this, this struggling little pony carrying these rounds of ammunition up to the guns, you know, in this firelight, like the 4th of July. It was just crazy. She walked 35 miles through open rice paddies and up steep hills. She would shield the Marines going up to the lines. They would veer off and she would go up to the, uh, the firing site. And she was wounded twice with falling shrapnel. She got hit in the forehead and she got hit in the left flank with falling shrapnel. But she never quit. 386 rounds she carried. That's over 9,000 pounds on her back. 9,000 pounds in one day, in one battle. And then she also carried wounded off the battlefield. So it was just truly, truly amazing. And because of what she did, uh, she kept the gun so well supplied that her main gun froze. And so that's why she had to quit that night because the gun froze and they had she had nothing else to, to carry for that. So her, because she did what she did and kept the guns so well supplied that that battle, they were able to take back the outposts, all of the outposts, and they protected the town, the city of Seoul from the enemy coming in because it would have been a whole different ball game had they gotten down into Seoul. Uh, war ended four months later in July, and they give her a lot of credit for, for her work. Uh, that the uh, armistice was signed four months later. So it's an incredible story. I, and, I, and I love how she loved her human herd, but those yeah. humans loved her too. I mean, yeah. I, and, and to do those things would show, show her the way once and she, she yeah. just takes it on. And then the noise, I mean, I can't even imagine, like horses don't like loud noises and blowing yeah. up in right. lights and and she did it. She did it anyway. It's incredible. What do you think certain animals like Sergeant Reckless have that enable them to, to do things like that? Like, what is it like superior intelligence, like a bigger than normal heart? Like, what do you think it takes for an animal to do something like that? You know, I, I've, with the work I'm doing now, I, 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 have been learning stories about amazing dogs and mm. pigeons and horses that have done, you know, and, and in today's battle with the warfare of today, it's really, really interesting uh, to, uh, to see, but the dogs that go out there today in Afghanistan, you know, the, the Belgian Malinois and the German shepherds, part of it is, I think uh, the breed a lot of these, the animals that have that breed, like the German Shepherd and the and the Belgian Malinois and uh, Labradors are, are big with drugs. But honestly, I think that they are very smart. It takes a very, very smart dog to be able to do this. Now, in World War II, it's really funny. Poodles were actually on the list to be donated to go serve war because they're such smart animals. And they fit everything, but their fur was, their coat was just too much to take care of. <laughs> we could have poodles just out there in the wartime, right? So go figure that out. But I think it really is, it's the, the, the main thing is the bond that is really developed between the men. Because there is one dog, Ziggy, that got, and we'll talk about the, our Medal of Bravery here in a minute. 
uh, Ziggy got the Medal of Bravery. Uh, and what this dog did, he went on like uh, 12 helicopter, nighttime helicopter drops. He found 3,000 pounds of explosives. He's he he did all of these kind of things. He they were looking for people of high uh, impact and individuals. Ziggy was just a phenomenal dog, but it took four handlers to get him to be the phenomenal dog. It's that bond. It's that it's the connection that the men develop and with the animal and they know how to train the animal you know uh, bond with the animal and uh, reckless was that way you know the people that she bonded with her her first ones most of them were horse people mm -hmm. it just takes that a special kind of um, intelligence i think intuition but it's it's really to me uh the bond yes absolutely and and i i love that your stories also elevate the connectedness that we have with animals and like right. all nature, like there, there, there is this, you know, relationship, like they will do things for us. We will trust yeah. each other. There is love and intelligence. And even though they don't speak our language, they try to understand us right? and we can understand them. So I think yes. that's so special. Yeah. I'd love it if you'd also mention your other book because you have the Sergeant Reckless story, but you've all, you've also explored stories of other animals in service and in, in right. the military. Do you want to share a little bit about that book and the award? The award yes. Yes. yes, sure will. So my next book is War Animals, the Unsung Heroes of World War II. Awesome. And there's a fun, uh, there's a fun story about that. So there was a medal over in Great Britain called the PDSA Dickon Medal. And this medal had been given out since 1943, the British honoring animals that served in war. Mm -hmm. And um, during World War II, uh, 18, uh, excuse me, um, 32 pigeons, 18 dogs, three horses, and a cat received this PDSA Dickon Medal. So I nominated Reckless for this medal. And in doing research for this medal, I discovered all of the other stories of uh, medalists that were given this award. And I'm like, these stories are phenomenal. So I reached out to my publisher and I said, I'm, I'm heading to London to get this medal. You know, can you write me up a press release and check this out and all of this? And he writes me back and he says, man, there's some really great stories here. He said, what do you think about writing a book? Now, mind you, I had pitched a book on pigeons, the war pigeons to him, you know, and he passed on that because he said, you know, birds are just not warm and fuzzy like dogs and horses, <laughs> but they're really cool birds, you know, they're, they're war birds, you know. So he finally saw what I was seeing and he says, okay, we'll call it like feathers and fur animal heroes of World War II. And I said, okay, that sounds great. So I go over to England, I get the medal for Reckless, and I make a connection with the PDSA. And uh, I tell them I want to write this book. And when I'm over there to do the Reckless Mon uh, medal, uh, I said to the director, why doesn't America have a medal ceremony like this? Why don't we do something like this for our um, you know, heroes? And that was the first seed. You know, it's amazing. You just never know the path God's going to take you on. And I wrote uh, wrote my book, did research. I had to give, um, you know, an American angle to it. Mm. So it was wonderful because then I got to, you know, as I said, I love doing research. So I, I went to every archives, military archives I could go, Marine Corps, Coast Guard, 
uh, Army, Signal Corps, you know, I went over, over to London and I got went through all of there. They gave me every piece of material they had for for their um, uh, uh, on their animals that they served. And uh, it was just an amazing thing to write about these incredible, incredible stories. And um, so now, you know, uh, we have with our my nonprofit that built six monuments to Sergeant Reckless around the country. Uh, started off with one in 2013, and now we have six, the last one being at the World Equestrian Center in Ocala, Florida. We're so blessed to have these monuments. And actually, you know, there's there's a lot of things now that I'm trying to do, but our medals are first. And 2019, we honored eight animals with our Medal of Bravery, the same jeweler that makes the medals for the PDSA Dickin Medal. Um, and he's also was the Monarchs jeweler. He's going to be doing all of the jewelry for for King Charles's coronation. Oh wow, that's yeah, so cool. really this guy's really cool. He's a yeah. fun asset to have. So, but he does beautiful medals that we we make. And in in 20, uh, 2019, we honored eight animals. So we honored her, two pigeons, and then uh, six dogs uh, in that first medal. And and members of Congress do present these medals now through us. But we're trying to get these to become congressionally man congressionally mandated awards so that it, it is a congressional process to elect and nominate and, and select these animals. And then they get presented with these medals. We have a resolution that dropped in the house in February and we're, we're gonna be dropping another one in uh, this coming February where we had 11 co-sponsors, uh, 12 uh, sponsor and 11 co-sponsors in Congress. And this one we're shooting for 25. So it's just, it's going to happen, you know, everything on a timetable, you know, I just believe it. We're now in the selection phase. We have 16 nominees for our next set of medals. And uh, uh, I'm going to be right after these medals are done, I'm going to be writing a book on the first set of medalists. So everybody mm -hmm. will have their stories. But if they go to animalsandwarandpeace.org, they can see the stories that we've done so far. This last ceremony, I I did videos on the on the stories, and so that's a lot more fun to get a visual uh, and have the handlers telling the story mm -hmm. uh, about about their wonderful dogs. And so it's it's just uh, just very 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 blessed. Oh, I'm so inspired. Thank you for the work that you're doing and telling telling these stories that sometimes can get forgotten, right? You know, it's like right. humans are not alone in this. We're, you know, we have right. animals that assist us. Like they help us build the things that we build or win the wars that we want to right. win. And, you know, it's, technology is starting to, you know, take over some of those Absolutely. roles, but they were a big part of helping us get where we are today. So they, they are, and I love this term, they are force multipliers mm -hmm. and they bring to the team, to the unit, things that the men can't do. They have that sense of smell. And I don't care how many robots you build, that sense of smell and um, just that, you know, uh, energy, dedication to, to do, you know, to do the fight. But I love that term force multipliers. That's cool. So a couple of questions. Like I, I always love to ask these questions because they, everybody has a little bit of a different perspective. I mean, you, 
this is what you're up to is so much bigger than just having written a book. I always usually ask like, what, what's the best part of being an author, but then what on the flip side, what's the most difficult part? Mm -hmm. What's what for you, because you've taken on something so huge. I mean, obviously we've heard like all the, all the really awesome things and you're just following it and it's been a positive thing and you're elevating these stories and you're meeting awesome people. There's so much good. Has right. there been anything that's been challenging about taking on this role as as like the advocate for war animals and in particular Sergeant Reckless? The main challenging thing, I think, sometimes I can't find enough hours in the day to get all my work done. That's the biggest thing. The second challenging thing is if I can find a way to monetize what I do, I would be really sitting pretty. But, you know, that will come again. You know, I I do so much of this work with my nonprofit uh, gratis because it is a nonprofit. And I want I want these animals. It's not about me. It's it's the animals. I want to get their stories out. I think that's the hardest thing. Uh, also, like with the when I'm raising money, sometimes that can get challenging, you know, for the different monuments. And there's an f- interesting story about, you know, when I was raising money for the first Reckless Monument. I was doing it at a time where her, my book hadn't come out. So nobody really knew her story. Mm. So you're raising money on an animal that nobody knows. And I mean, Briar wouldn't even touch me with the Briar horse when I first reached out to them in 2010. And then uh, my YouTube video came out. They still didn't bite. But then when Cowboys and Indians Magazine did a pic, uh, did an article on it and I provided the pictures for it, Suddenly, my my um, video readings were uh, viewings went from seventy five hundred to overnight seventy five thousand wow. to now um, almost uh, two million. So it it has this this wonderful this wonderful effect. But I think for, for me now, it's really just trying to stay focused and. I've not been able to write anything since my War Animals book because I've been caught up in all of these other things. And that to me has been the hardest thing because I miss I miss connecting with that part of me. I miss I miss that connection. And it's hard sometimes because my theme now is unsung heroes. And that's kind of the brand that I'm I'm wanting to build and you know talk about with um and, and spreading these stories are the unsung heroes to give them a voice. You know, and the animals they had no voice, they had no choice, but they still fought valiantly beside the men and women they served with. But it's I I, I miss that connection. So it's that's why I'm doing this next book on these short stories of all the, the the 20 animals that would have received our Medal of Bravery or Distinguished Service Medal, because I'm familiar with those and I can pull it together rather quickly. Now, the other thing for me is in writing, like when I was writing my War Animals book, now I told you, Reckless took me seven years to research and write. War Animals, and that was with one animal. Mm-hmm. War Animals, I have over 73 stories and I had a year to research and write that one. Oh, I will my. never... I will never do that again because for me, I like diving into the story. I loved the research. The research takes so much time, but it's that gaining that knowledge, you know, that is so exciting to me. I I just, I love it. And when you find something new or find that photo that nobody's seen or you know, something like that. It's it's just incredible. Uh, uh, with this story, I had to rush through the stories, you know, so I couldn't experience them 
on the level that I wanted. So I like living, you know, just being able to breathe with these stories and then put them to paper. But I was on such a tight deadline. So I'll never, never, never do that again. I think the hardest part too, for me, and uh, one of the things that I, um, and as we talked about things you learned, you know, what would you like to know before, you know, your book comes out? I found out, you know, realized that, you know, my book, fortunately, it was produced, I had it published by a, a, a traditional publisher, and they were wonderful. And uh, very, they loved the book. It was a uh, history imprint with Regnery History and uh, Regnery um, Publishing. But you don't realize uh, as an author, you think once you get that traditional house that you are going to be set, you know, it's going to get out there. But you have to be your own marketer. You have to be your own press person. You have to do so much of the work. They will, and I don't care how big a publishing house you get uh, on your first book. You have to really do so much. You have to do all of the work because they will give you maybe two weeks, maybe a month of support, but then they're off to their next, you know, writers that are more popular than you, bigger writers than you, and their book's coming out next month and they've got to get on that. And so that's the next, you know, series of things they're working at. So self-publishing today has become such a great uh, uh, thing. I was going to self-publish Reckless's book if I couldn't find a traditional publishing house because I felt her story held such merit that it was a natural. It would be a natural to get it, uh, get it out there. And I was staying with my oldest friend in Washington, D.C., uh, who was a children's book author. Her name is Cheryl Shaw Barnes. And um, uh, Peter Barnes uh, is her, she and her husband, Peter, uh, wrote these wonderful stories and you should really check them out because they're great it's about a little little mouse and, and they they talk about you know washington dc you know um I, gosh i wish I'll, I'll have to send you some of the links but you know she she writes these and she illustrates these books and he writes the story and it, it teaches kids about how washington works you know how congress works what's oh the cool what is the declaration of independence you know all of this yeah, it's wonderful stories so we've been friends since I was four and she was five and our moms ran a modeling agency in Washington, D.C. back in the <laughs> 60s, you know. And so she uh, happened to work at Regnery and I was breaking ground on my monument to Reckless and at the National Museum of the Marine Corps in 2013. And she reaches out to Alex Novak at Regnery and she said, my dear friend is in town. She just broke ground. Check this story out. And he loved my website. And he said, you know, can she come in? And, and I was leaving the next day, but I changed my flight and took a later one and uh, went in and met him. And he says, give me a proposal. I'll have an answer in two weeks. And so by that time, my monument had come out and it was a huge splash. And, um, you know, as I said, nobody knew her story back in the day. And it was it was hard at that time raising money. And my mother loaned me a big amount of money to get that monument done, because I knew as soon as people saw it, I would they'd want to be a part of it. And sure mm -hmm. thing, we I'd borrowed forty five thousand from her. And when the monument came was unveiled, that was on July 26 of 2013. And by the end of August, I had every, my mom paid back. I had Jocelyn Russell, the artist paid off. 
And I had people that wanted to find out what's your next, when's the next monument going in? Because they just, they saw it. It was Mm -hmm. real, you know? And then, so my book deal came together and my book came out a year later. So magical. (laughs) It was, but you know, and as we, we talked about too, when I discovered her story, what was interesting enough, I, because I worked with Tom Laughlin and Dolores Taylor to most of your people won't remember their store, their movies, but the Billy Jack movies were very, very popular back in the day in the seventies. And so Tom had a top, um, you know, uh, agent in the business. And I thought this should be a movie. When I discovered her story, I'm like, why hasn't there been one movie, three remakes, a TV series, something on this horse? Because it's just a stunning story. And so I thought, okay, so I wrote the screenplay first. And in 2009, just as I was going to pitch it to Tom's agent, who had top agent at the time, Spielberg announces War Horse, and I can't get a meeting. Can't mm-hmm. get a meeting. And so I'm reading the fact that, okay, Steven Spielberg is doing, and I thought he had my war horse. I, I didn't, I'm like, I started hyperventilating. Carly, I jumped up, I'm pacing the house. I'm just, I, I am freaking out that he's doing my story, you know, because uh, my my book, my, hadn't finished my book, I hadn't done anything on it. And I'm thinking, yeah, Steven Spielberg would be the one person to know this story, right? <laughs> but thankfully it was on Michael Morpurgo's book and it was based on the London play uh, War Horse. So it had nothing to do with mine. It was on World War One. But even today, as I have to pitch this story, I have to pitch it, Sergeant Reckless versus Warhorse. But when it happened with, with that, with Spielberg, I said, okay, God, not on your timetable. You know, I will get her monuments built. I will um, get her book out there. I will show Hollywood that there is a demand for this movie. And um, that's uh, that's kind of where we are now. There's been enough time, and I'm I'm now starting to um, wanting to shop the script, you know, sell my book rights to get the movie made, you know, try to get it done because her story really does need to be told, and it she is such a unique individual. It will be so different from Warhorse. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's not even because she brings such wonderful character and joy and comedy relief on her mm-hmm. just because of who she is she yeah. eats her blanket on the way home from you know oh yes that, that was oh best. my gosh you know what the dickens you know <laughs> she is crazy yeah but it, it'll make a great film if if it comes anywhere close to my vision for it i i i see this movie so clearly carly that i can almost tell you what i'm wearing to the premiere <laughs> That's how clear I see it. There's power in visualization. I mean, I know this is going to happen. I mean, look at what you've created, like a story that had four links on the internet to where it is today and stayed the course, but it's because of you, Robin, you know, that that's the interesting thing. The book deal didn't make all this happen for her. You did, you know, the book helped. Right. And now, and then, and it's step after step after step, and you're just going to keep driving towards it. And I know this is going to be a movie. I'm excited. And, and I'm glad you shared that because like everything's timing, right? You know, it's like timing and it's this, and it's also like a conversation I had with another guest on the show. It's like, you know, don't take the note. It's like, sure. No, no, no. Wait for your yes, because you have to go through a bunch of no's until you get to your yes. And then, you know, the timing wasn't right for the, for the script then. And then you had the competition from Spielberg and Warhorse. Right. 
but it's the journey never stops. If you clearly see this thing, you can get it pushed through. So you're staying the course. I like to say it's not no, it's just not now. Right. That's, that's, that's where the no comes in. Not now. And so, you know, you just have to stay on when you believe in something, these things are put into your heart. These dreams are put into your heart, you know, as God puts these things into your heart. I just truly believe that. And I really feel that he was, he made me the, the vehicle to get this story out because, you know, she was in life magazine as one of our all time greatest heroes in 97. And yet she's still, her story still did not pick up. But, you know, it's it's timing is everything. Mm-hmm. And you just have to stay, never give up on your dreams. And uh, as I said at my, uh, the Cowgirl Museum and Hall of Fame instituted in 2019, the night before our first ceremony in Washington, I'm at the Cowgirl Museum receiving the Sergeant Reckless Award. They just inducted this whole new award into their awards program. And they had unveiled the statue of her there. And they gave me this, this wonderful uh, honor. And as I said to them, I said, you know, I have found that it's never too late to reinvent yourself. It's never too late to, you know, change course. If you just trust in your heart, what you're doing and knowing that you, you got to get past the nose, you got to get past other people trying to take what you've built and run with it and think you, you you know you get to a point sometimes where you know you're trying to defend what you built and others are trying to take it from you it's it can be very very hard and but if you just know that it's happening for a reason of some kind and it's whether to give you the strength to not only take this dream but then see that it can happen and move on from there you just have to be open to the universe and to see where you're supposed to go and these dreams you know the dreams in your heart are not the same as mine and you were the per- you know you were perfect to carry out those dreams that you're doing and i'm so proud of you with all the books that you've written, Carly. Oh my gosh. When I think of in New York, you were there with your first one and, you know, you had the other ideas for them and to see what you've done with everything. You talk about tenacity and the spirit of reckless, never giving up and just believing and doing that's you personified. And I am so proud, so, so proud of all that you've done. Wonderful to see the generous heart. And that's another thing. You have to be generous. You have to be kind. You have to, you have to have a good heart with all of this. Doesn't mean you have to be a wimp, uh, not by any means. But in standing up for your beliefs, that makes you strong. It does. You don't have to be a jerk about it. You know, there's so many lessons to be learned in all that we do if we just have an open mind to learn them. You know, and to believe that these are lessons for our good, even the bad things. They're lessons for are good to make us better. So uh, awesome words of wisdom. Yeah. And thank you so much. I will say just to, to let, let our listeners know. So Robin and I met around the holiday season in New York for the first time, right after I had just written my first book. And we were both at the Equus Film Festival together. We both uh, won Winnie Awards while we were there. Mm-hmm. I think it was 2016. Yes, I think it was 2016. And Robin took me under her wing and you know I have her 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 book that she signed to my husband and I here. Oh that's great. I wrote you a book, didn't I? I know. <laughs> it was fantastic. I mean, 
our relationship, you know, when I talk about Authors Unite, Robin is the epitome of this. You, I didn't know what I was doing as a first time author. You said, always have your book with you. Make sure you're holding it up for photo opportunities. You you gave me a lot of coaching. Yes, because I was a I was a nervous little Nelly at my very first event supporting my book, and then you and I have continued to have a relationship, and it's all it's all about relationship and being kind and generous. So I thought, in the spirit of Thanksgiving, maybe we could show on YouTube our turkey hats that we got when we were in when we were in New York. This is so cool. You see, let me get the top of it there. <laughs> oh my gosh. I, I have had so much fun with this hat. My, uh, I, I wore this at a, at a luncheon at, in Newport Beach at a fancy, <laughs> you know, uh, one of the fancy clubs down there. And, you know, because it was Thanksgiving. I was there for brunch and I'm like, I'm wearing the turkey. <laughs> the turkey hat. And it was just random. I think it was. It was, right, it was, it was crazy. It was right before Thanksgiving. We, you, you, my husband, Adam and I popped into like a costume store and then we all just decided we're going to buy turkey hats. Yeah. And I will include pictures of that adventure in the show notes and also wrap some of those into the video here. Right. But I would like to say how thankful I am for you and all the other authors who show up on this show and create relationship with me and support other authors and unite with other authors and take care of each other. I am so thankful for that. Right. And I'd love to know what you're thankful for. I, you know, I am so thankful that I have been on this ride and the people that I've met and the, and the, the, the people like you that have become part of my tribe that mm-hmm. I, 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 I thank God for them every day. I, I, I just try to find, you know, ways to express how much I appreciate what others have done for me on this path. And, um, just, uh, and it just continues, continues to grow. And the authors that I've met that, uh, you know, I'm in a, another writer's group, I'm in a military writer's group, military writers of society group, and they are an awesome bunch as well, you know, with the military and they just, uh, nominated, well, they just awarded me with the writer of the year uh, award in August. And I'm like, you know, there's so many other writers out there that, deserve this really deserve this you know <laughs> but you know i was so grateful that when when you get people together like you or you know people that really a- appreciate the journey that they're on with their books not those that are just doing it for money because there are a lot of a lot of mean bad people out there and you just have mm. to learn how to dodge those dodge those people and and especially when they're trying to take what you've done um, or ride on your coattails or whatever. So you just have to be mindful. And I, uh, but I am grateful that the journey that we are all on, you know, we're, we're able to do it together. Like, like today, you know, kind of help lift each other up and, and just have a, and these memories that we've shared too, Mm -hmm. just brings me such joy to even think back on that when, you know, going up to the top of the Rockefeller Plaza. It was amazing. <laughs> and our turkey hats. <laughs> oh my God. Adam had his, oh my God. It was just priceless. It was just <laughs> priceless. So I am just very grateful for the people that I have met and have become friends with and then continue to inspire me. I mean, you know, with these animal stories, the people that I meet that had, uh, you know, with these stories, I, I, I just, I will never go with through what they went through. And I am so grateful that they trust me to tell their story 
uh, in the best way, knowing that you know I'll I'll protect them in every way I can. So it's um, it's it's just really I'm I'm just grateful for so much. I could I could talk about it all day long. You know. Yeah. So. Me, me too. And and you everything that you do is full of gratitude. And I hear it in all the stories you tell, and I hear it in your books. So your gratitude is is very clearly expressed into the universe. Right. And I, I appreciate that about you, but it, 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 your message of kindness and doing it with a good heart is so important because think about our journey. I had just written a book. I didn't know what I was doing. You shared with me, like your knowledge took me under your wing. We became friends, but we run into each other in lots of different spaces yeah. and places. Like yeah. I was at Briarfest, you happened to be at Briarfest and then yeah. we reunited there. So it's like, people aren't one and done, you know, people right. like, especially right. people you meet in like a career oh, yeah. or in the horse world. So be kind yes. and remember that, that people will appear in your life at different places. So, you know, leave them feeling wonderful, right? Yes. That's the most important you know, thing. People come into your life, I believe for a reason or a season, or they'll become part of your tribe. Mm-hmm. And so you just have to know you know, you know that. And then the, the relationship, you, you'll see, you know, how, how this all comes together. And you just, you really, that's why you just have to be, you know, be, just be good to people. How do you want to be treated? You know, the old golden rule, do unto yeah. others. That's so true. And one of the things I also like, like to say, you know, it's, you can be, you know, in your kindness, you can be pushy in, mm-hmm trying to get your product don't be complacent but being pushy you know because you have a great thing to offer you know some people might not see it at first but boy they're sure grateful when they do you know see it and you know but you just have to keep it keep it going one of your questions i remember was you know what inspirational book did i read lately the one book that changed my life was uh before i even discovered reckless story was called, it was written by Marcy Smirnoff, who actually did The Secret. She was one of the writers on The Secret. I love that book. Yeah, and I had never heard of The Secret, but she wrote a book, it was called Happy for No Reason. Mm And I was going through a very dark time. This is like in the early 2000s. You know, I'm wasting my time. I'm feeling, you know, I'm not doing what I should be doing. I, I you know, I, I'm not growing in what I want to do. I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I was kind of stuck. But I read her book. And it was each day find that, essentially each day find that one moment, one second of joy. And there's joy somewhere. You just might not be seeing it because you're depressed. And then after a while, look for, you know, two moments of joy. And really that you have to start finding joy. Joy is in the journey. And that you have to find joy in it to get you through the bad times, to get you through the times where you just don't have, you you don't feel like you can go on or have what it takes, or you got writer's block and this will never happen. I'll never get this finished, you know, anything like that. But she made me see like, suddenly I'm having like, you know, all of these moments of joy till now I am, you know, I, of course I have my dark times. Of course I have my doubts at times, you know, but in the long haul, if I can step back when I'm feeling in my biggest pity party, mm-hmm. you know, just step back and try to see, okay, what is the message in this? And how can I, you know, turn this around and know that, you know, 
it if you have an attitude of gratitude it's you know it's amazing where life can take you but that that book was and i've given it to quite a few people that have gone through this and it 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 really did change my life it really really did change my life i will yeah. link to that book in your show notes for sure yeah. so people can get directly to that yeah and, you know robin i so appreciate the gift of your time this has been an amazing conversation i know because we're friends we could probably right. talk for 30 hours right. I, I would love for you to let listeners know where they can find more information about you and your books and the great work you're doing uh, with your nonprofit. Uh, oh, let great. people know where they can find you and your books. Information on me is at robinhutton.com. That's pretty easy. Uh, for Sergeant Reckless, you can go to sergeantreckless.com and learn all the stories about her. And then my latest website is animalsinwarandpeace.org. But if you just type in waranimals.com, it'll shuffle you over to that. But it's animalsinwarandpeace.org. And that is all of the medals that we're doing, the monuments we're building, the museum that we want to do, uh, and the resolution to make these congressionally mandated awards. And our next medal ceremony is actually going to be in March of 2023. And we're in the process now of picking our next six heroes. So uh, it'll be fun to put those up there in the next time. But yeah, check it out. Animalsandwarandpeace.org. So exciting. And I'll make sure to link to those places in the show notes. And I imagine people can, through those sites, get to you on social media. Yes, absolutely. You can find me on Facebook and we have a face, we have a Sergeant Reckless official fan club. And then we have an Animals in War and Peace page too. The Sergeant Reckless fan club on Facebook is awesome. Lots of, lots of engagement and stories and the monuments and uh, people are sharing pictures. It's a, it's a great space. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks. It's great. Well, and I just adore you. Oh, I adore you too. Oh my God. Look at us. I know. Cool. We are rocking. (laughs) (laughs) And and thank you for, for being just a blessing in my life and for supporting my author dream and doing the work that you're doing. It's, I'm just so proud of you and inspired by you. So thank you. Thank you for coming on the show. I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. Oh, honey, thank you. And please give my love to Adam and Jamie and the kids. And really, thank you. Anytime I, I'm here for you, you know that. So this has just been too much fun. And uh, I'll see you at some event somewhere. <laughs> yes, for sure. Authors, authors Unite and happy <laughs> Thanksgiving, Robin. Happy Thanksgiving to you too, honey. Happy holidays. Thanks for joining us this week on the Equestrian Author Spotlight Podcast. I hope you enjoy these Q&A sessions with wonderful equine authors who love all things horses and writing, just like me. Visit my website, carlycadecreative.com, where you can read the show notes, and make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you so much for your support. Want a free guide to secrets of horse book authors? Gallop over to carlycadecreative.com forward slash wisdom to have author advice delivered instantly to your inbox. If you are an author who writes about horses and would like to be spotlighted, please let me know. Visit my contact page at carlycadecreative.com to fill out a request. I'd be happy to have you on the show too. Thank you for tuning in to the Equestrian Author Spotlight Podcast. See you next time. I'm your host, Carly Cade. Creative writing makes my spurs jingle.